Johnny Mayer. Record button's on the phone, record button is on audio, and record button is on the uh, the real camera, too. Uh, John Mayer. Hey. Back on the pod. Good to be back. Yeah, three times. I'm honored. Good to have you back. Different, uh, one was my house. Oh, yeah. One was your old house. That's right. Yeah. Now, I mean, you guys have upgraded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's been cool to see. I remember when you, what was your first podcast? You called it like Paper? Paper Quartz. Yeah. Yeah. And the recording like quality was, oh, it was terrible. Terrible. And just to see the evolution, like the growth. Yeah. Because cool. that's funny that you remember that. Um, you're probably one of like five people in the world that remembers Paper Quartz. Yeah. Because it Legend, was. Legendary. Because I had, <laughs> I had all these recordings because that was when I was reporting on uh, We Were Kings. Mm-hmm. I was like, I feel like people would really enjoy mm. the audio versions of these interviews. So I just put them up. But it was just me talking on my computer, yeah. recording it with my phone just on voice memos. Yeah. And I was like, let's just put this up and see what happens. And it was it was bad audio, was as you know. Content, yeah. The content was good. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I was like, all right, well, let's fix it up. And then yeah. try hit me up and wanted to start a podcast. Like, that's a great idea. Yeah. I don't know how to record good audio, though. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Cool to see. Congratulations. It's come a long way. And a, yeah. another another book. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. yeah. Yeah. Another book. Glad we could get it in your hands. Yeah. I'm excited to read yeah. it. Are yeah. you guys working on another book? In theory. Okay. <laughs> in our heads, we have emails written about writing a book. Okay. You know, That's where it, where it starts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're definitely big idea guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you, no, you guys have done a lot too, though. Uh, but yeah, we want to do a 2.0. I mean, we kind of, like ours is not a hardback like that, but the first one is basically like a an homage or like what we learned right from Mm -hmm. i think it was about 2015 to 2019 and now and we've learned i mean a lot since then actually kind of totally changed face about the way i coach so we're yeah just coach your brains out 2.0 you know eventually uh work on that i think it's going to be this fall actually the biggest hold up is is billy it's in between fantasy books you know he's, <laughs> he's got uh, that's that's honestly what we're waiting for it's like because uh, he's the one i mean he's the writer he's the one who makes it uh makes it go and sets up that so he was supposed to finish uh what's the third one he's calling it um royal blood i think okay yeah the first one was uh, it's dark blood good, good, no, yeah good blood good blood dark blood okay. and this one's royal blood and then he got the job at Cal, and now he got the job at Stanford, and all that's getting in the way. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Sky Billy. Priorities, bro. <laughs> uh, yeah. How are we going to finish Royal Blood if, <laughs> if all these uh, universities hire him? And then how are we going to do Coach Your Brains Out 2.0? If, right. You know, so that's really been the the holdup, but it'll it'll come out. Well, as um, when Tryon came, asked me to coach, like the first thing I did was pull that coach your brains out back Mm. off the bookshelf Mm. and that sort of served as kind of the foundation then as i was telling you i've given you guys a lot of back downloads (laughs) in the last couple weeks just going through and the first thing i mean i was just finding all the legends the marv dumphys and john kessels and all those guys Mm. and then now i'm like diving deep into the motor learning which Mm. i know that you're fascinated by but you mentioned that you've kind of done an about face coaching from that coach your brains out 1.0 to the 2.0 that might come out yeah. whenever Billy's done just if he sucks at coaching dallying. it's on you <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm feeling a lot of pressure but I think we've had some good coaches on so you know there's some stuff to pull that for sure wasn't all me um, well I think one it's first it's really admirable well personally I think coaching is about as an important job in the world as there is the the influence you can have on lives, on young people's lives, uh, the mentor you can be for 
for adults. I think it's, it's an impactful position. And the issue is, is we don't treat it that way. Like my, my daughter's fifth grade teacher has an advanced degree Mm -hmm. in education, in mathematics. My daughter's fifth grade coach has no coaching education. There's no, the requirement is she played when she was in high school. And so, yeah, you can coach and, and there's, you brought up motor learning. There's, there's decades of research on how to effectively run a, a good practice. I mean, there's psychology, you talked about sports psychology, mm-hmm. with you guys talking with Gervais. Um, I mean, there's so many fields to, to dive in and learn, learn about, but I don't think we treat it that way as a profession. We treat it as, oh yeah, you played once. Yeah, you can, right. you, you can go to it. Right? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> and then we don't go, no, this person could positively, negatively change their lives. And, and this kid or this adult might have a negative relationship with activity, with exercise, with sport, and lead an unhealthy life or a healthy life. Um, uh, they might make lifelong friends. They might develop an obsession for the sport because of the way the coach mm-hmm. goes about it. But we don't, unfortunately, respect it the way it should be. So yeah, I, I, I think I'm really, I guess I'm fired up hearing you say, I'm interested in coaching. And just because I played... I'm realizing, no, that's not enough. Like, I want to go learn. Like, I want to dive in. I want to understand. I want to be able to coach at a high level. I want to do this right. I want to pay service to this job that's so important. Yeah. I I respect that. And because, I mean, one of the biggest mistakes sort of or just faux pas that you can make as an athlete is you coach the way that you were coached. Yeah. But if that was an effective way of coaching and he didn't really know, I was in kind of a fortunate position as where I was as a player is I was good enough to get into the top team's practices and sort of steal all of their coaches Mm -hmm. for free. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't good enough where all the top teams thought I was a threat. So like, no, 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 like he can't come. (laughs) So it was perfect. So I was able to be coached by pretty much all the coaches who we're coaching the top team. So I was able to steal like, Hey, I really like this from Evie, mm-hmm. like this from Davenport. Jose did a really good job of this and so on, mm-hmm. but then adding, and then I'm just fascinated by it. Yeah. And when we were talking with Gervais, I was saying like, I like doing things that I'm really excited about mm-hmm. and now coaching's really exciting to me. And so just like learning about that. Oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's that, that mix of observing good coaching and and that's I think a great way to learn, but also to have some sort of evidence to pull from to inform your principles. Like I've I've done some research, I've I've read some books, I've listened to some experts, and then I've also like observed really good people in the field. Mm-hmm. I think when you get that mix, then you can you can ha- you can have some things to stand on. Then you can become your own coach, not just I'm I'm uh, you know. Jose Jr. Right, right. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm Travis and I learned some things from Jose and I learned some things from this research and I, also I you've been in the, in the player's shoes, which is a yeah. h- extremely yeah, huge yeah. part of it. Right. Oh, you've for been sure. in the arena on the court, yeah. which some, some coaches lack. Yeah. 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 To have that, that perspective, to have that empathy, mm-hmm. that, uh, learning's really hard. Yeah. Like it's not as hard. easy <laughs> as yeah. I'm making it sound yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that those, that combination of things can lead to good coaching. Um, but you can see why it's complicated and why it's easy to be a really bad coach and it's easy to mess oh, this yeah. up. Uh, so yeah, it's a dynamic, uh, profession. What have you, what did that about face look like from 2019 to 2023? Maybe not about face, but what have you layered on to your coaching? Maybe what are some things that you don't do anymore that you did when you sort of started? Yeah. Uh, so 
talking use the word motor learning i, I was raised uh, or the mentors i learned from came from a few came from motor learning and in, in a field called it's known as informational processing so more cognitive based approach and maybe the the traditional way that coaching's been done which would be uh more uh rep repetition based we're going to get lots of repetition and and more uh there's one right technique like one right way to do things mm-hmm. um basically i'm and a lot more top down the coach is going to be the person who has all the answers i know the right way to do it and i'm going to put it in your brain and then you're going to go execute it so i would coach more in that way i i i came in and i had a system every player i didn't consider maybe the individuality of different players every player had a certain way that i decided they were going to serve a certain way they were going to pass and when they went off it was very linear when they went off that track no that wasn't the right way do it this way no you didn't hold your mm-hmm. hands the right way you got to do it this way no that that wasn't the right platform this is the way to do it so very uh, coach driven top down and very linear sometimes even doing things out of context you know we're going to take away um all the elements of the sport and we're going to uh, teach you this motor program on how to pass the right way and then we're going to assume that motor program's going to be installed into the game so then uh and i think lots of good players there's lots that it works there's lots of ways that you can learn that way and lots of good players have come through systems like that and i had some success with it actually we won our first wcc championship 2019 uh, under that system, 2020 COVID hits and, uh, things slow down. And, and I, uh, through the podcast, people had brought up this idea. There's this like kind of new, more modern approach. Like people in motor learning are, are talking about this idea called, called ecological dynamics. I had people send me research papers. I'm reading the abstract. Like I understand five words <laughs> and this is like, it's like, dynamical systems and you know stochastic resonance in the way it's like, <laughs> dude there's like nah like just um let me get back to like blocked uh, versus random and give me the basics of motor learning so yeah COVID's, COVID hits and things slow down and um i had a chance to there's some phds i got mm-hmm. to connected with and would do weekly zooms and they kind of took me through this different way this ecological approach which i don't want to like over the board you guys with but um, I'm I'm here for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so I guess just to kind of contrast it to like the the informational processing that like linear approach. I mean, it, it's some opposites. It's like non-linear. So I, I talked about the coach being the provider of the solution. When you approach things from an ecological perspective, it's uh, the coach is the provider of problems. So I'm not here to to um, say that's the, the this is the way. This is how you have to do it. But uh, here's a unique movement problem. Um, you know, now go try to solve it. Uh, so for example, uh, so a common passing problem we would see is maybe a deep serve, uh, someone pops up, like the ball's going backwards. Glad we're on this because yeah, okay. I've been Pretty working on topical. that. <laughs> so, you know, and, and there's lots of things that could be leading this problem. Before I had my keys, I had my, okay, no, you got to keep your shoulders down. Um, you got to see the line of the serve early. You got to set your angle early. Um, the ball does angles. So I'd have these keys or I'd tell the person what to do. Um, and I think I was creating a little bit more of a robot and saying, mm-hmm. uh, and it's helpful and you'd see them get a little bit better at it. So it's, you know, as a player and a coach, it feels pretty good. So the, the newer approach is, okay, I see a problem. 
I'm going to, I'm going to destabilize. I'm going to take away that solution from them. So it's, it takes a little creativity to be like, what if we put, you know, we fold up a towel and we put it on their shoulders and we say, okay, the goal is to, to keep the towel on and pass the ball forward. And the serve comes and it comes deep and the towel, you know, they pop up. So you and, can't lean back. And falls the, off. And the towel falls off and, mm. and, and they go, I go, uh, yeah, try to keep the towel on. <laughs> uh, I'm here to provide problems because yeah. I want players who aren't reliant and when something hard happens, they go, what, what do I do? I want, that's what I used to create, that sort of mm-hmm. person, that sort of player who is fragile. Um, now I say, you know, this is a hard problem and I'm, and I'm here to help, but w- what else could you try? What mm. haven't you tried yet? What's something different you could try? And so I'm just ch- nudging them to explore, nudging them to experiment. And put you know put the towel back on, and I'm telling the server try to knock it off, like try to make it hard. Mm. And they're having to self organize and discover and adapt and yeah. experiment and explore. And I'm trying to figure out how do I keep this towel on. So one, I'm I'm learning new skills. Like I'm learning, I'm not just being told there's one way to do it. I'm 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 in my own unique body, my frame. I'm doing it in a, in a different way. Um, and two, I'm learning a more important skill. I'm learning how to be a problem solver. Right. Like, which if if that's, I mean, that's probably maybe the most important part of our, in our sport, most important skill. Um, so I started to kind of get this around in my head. It's like, okay, I can also, I can build skills and maybe build skills that are more appropriate for this player who's got long arms and this player who's this height. Cause I'm not just deciding before I even watch them before I decide, before I watch, I knew how they were supposed to pass. Uh, but also they're learning how to be adaptable problem right. solvers yeah anti-fragile like all these skills that are game changers so love that um that's a small intro i mean i could keep going with it but yeah no i yeah. love that i think coaching is not something that i, I think many people associate with creativity mm. but you need to be so as i've discovered just in the past couple of weeks starting coaching is that you need to find creative ways to sort of i don't say guide but guide them to finding yeah. their own solution I, like the towel way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, would have never thought about putting a towel on Tri's shoulders to keep him from standing up when he passes the deep floats. But that's yeah. honestly like I'd I'd be really refreshed if he did that rather than especially like a Travis who's compared to me, he actually has way less experience mm. in the sport, right? Mm. Instead of him just being like, stay down, get your feet out of the way and like mm. tell me some generic technique thing yeah him giving me something a feel thing like i've told him many times like i'm a feel guy yeah if you if i can teach my body what it feels like then i can repeat it a hundred times becomes a habit and that's how i learn yeah um but with with coaching i've noticed over the years especially at the professional level well where i have a lot of trust in myself and what i know i need a coach who wants to be collaborative mm. collaborative with me yeah like hey let's figure this out together not yeah. don't tell me what to do yeah not that i don't trust you not that that's not wrong like i need to listen to my coach but like that's just it just doesn't resonate with i don't trust anyone mm. as a whole to just teach me the whole game at this point i have way yeah. too much right. evidence of things that have worked for me right, right. but at the same time i'm I, a beginner at everything in, yeah. in some ways yeah, yeah. so like collaborate with me listen to me first of all and then I'll listen to you and then we figure out what we think is best. Yeah. Like that's what I think the best coach is for me. Yeah. I'm at the professional level. It's a little different I than maybe youth. I think it's across maybe not. the board. Yeah. I, I think you're on to human experience. <laughs> okay. Well, there we go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's how I've noticed. I'm like, if I can get a coach to do that, which I'm excited with Travis, cause he's a good listener. Yeah. 
um, and, and the ego is usually dropped, right? Mm. That that we can just figure stuff out together. Yeah. Like that's what I I think a great yeah. coach is. Let's figure stuff out together. Not yeah. don't tell me what to do. Yeah. And like I don't want to follow your like strict little plan that you have. Right. Yeah. It's probably harder now because I have so much experience and have so much trust and confidence in myself. But yeah, I mean, even at the youth level, kids are doing things instinctually that are amazing, right? Yeah. And you don't want to take that away from them. Yeah. Yeah, I think court coaches take away creativity. Right. Yeah, coaches will have, I, I, now I'm ripping on coaches to say how important it is, but we'll have this ideal uh, technique and like, yeah, that would be great in a painting. But the reality of the sport is like the ball, the same serves never come twice and it drops and yeah. it's random. And, right. And things that like we got to be in positions that are. that are You want your player to be able, like I do the every once in a while, I'll do like a 360 pass and yeah. it's perfect. Right. Yeah. Just because that just felt good and it was super <laughs> instinctual and I love it because I'm like, how It was the best cool solution for the situation. Yeah. yeah. And I made it fluid and like mm -hmm. went straight into my approach and mm -hmm. it was like. No one's taught me the 360 pass. Yeah. <laughs> I probably stood up with it and no, everything. And forever coaches said, don't jump when you set on the beach. I mean, there's right. all sorts yeah, of yeah. things that we've, we've limped. Don't serve. Don't, don't jump when you serve. Yeah. Um, you know, there's all these things and there's things going on now that coaches or, or, or tradition or history is stopping yeah. from, from growing. There, there's a great quote um, from Franz Bosch, who's kind of a legend in this field. He says, the body has, or it's, it's surprising how little interest the body has in what the coach has to say. We will get right back to the podcast in a moment. But first, have to give a huge shout out to our sponsor, Wilson. They've been with us since day one. They make the absolute best balls on the beach. Absolutely zero question about it. And it is that time of year. Training camps are starting back up. We're starting to get back out on the beach in California, anyway, in Hawaii, in Florida, anywhere you have a beach facility. The preseason reps are starting to roll around, which means it's time to get a new bag of balls. All those tattered ones we had in 2023, it's time to replace them with some new Wilson balls in 2024. And the best news, you get 20% off all Wilson products when you use our discount code SANDCAST-20. Again, that is SANDCAST-20 to get 20% off all Wilson products. Best balls in the game. Go fill up your new bag, your new Wilson bag, with some new Wilson Optics balls and get out on the sand. Now, taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should at least be simple. That's why for the last, I don't know, four, five, maybe six years, I've been drinking AG1 every day, no exceptions, on the road, at home, doesn't matter. It comes with me everywhere I go. It's just one scoop. You mix it in water once a day, every day. It makes me feel awesome. I rarely, if ever, get sick, and that's because one serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and post, pre and probiotics, and more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple, and it's why I just continue sticking with it. Now, I take my AG1 in the morning right before I work out. I throw a little creatine in there as well, or right after I work out when my body's just wanting all these vitamins and minerals. It's the best, it's the number one whole supplement you can take and it's cheap if there's one product i had to recommend to elevate your health it's ag1 and that's why i partnered with them for so long that's why sandcast continues partnering with them this is our third year so if you want to take ownership of your health start with ag1 try ag1 and get a free 100 free one year supply of vitamin d3 and k2 and 
five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Now that is exclusively at drinkag1.com slash sandcast. All right, that's drinkag1.com slash sandcast. So check it out. Um, right. And that's been studied. You know, you tell you tell a player, put your uh, shoulder at 45 degrees or and players are like way off. Like we, our body is going to move towards safety and achieving the task. Right. And the coach could say whatever they want to say. And our body's like not that interested. Yeah, in doing right. It. And it's that that creates this tension you're talking about of like coach saying, I know how you're supposed to do it. This is it. And my body's like, no, I'm trying to achieve a goal that's, and I'm not, and I don't want to hurt myself. Right. So it just leads to this. And, and I mean, I think the, the other part is we crave autonomy. Like we, we thrive, we we're way more motivated when we have some freedom. We have some sense of autonomy mm-hmm. of the, of some say over how I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And I don't think it has to be like total autonomy. And that's where you're talking about the collaboration. We're working together. Like yeah. We're co-designing. Right. You're a part of this. I'm a part of this. I feel like I have some say in how I get to move, but you're guiding me and you're helping me make better decisions. Right. That's that's like that's a successful partnership. Yeah. But that's not traditionally how coach was, and I think people view it as this like top down of this authority, this figure that knows all the answers, and that that that's the thing that I don't think it worked that well then, especially over time, and now it's gone. But unfortunately, that residue is still really thick and really strong. Yeah. And. Um, no, I agree. It's going to change. I mean, it's just like all it's, and it's changing currently, but it's just, it takes time. I was talking with my high school coach. I was back in Hawaii and we were just talking about the whole body line, you know, pa- passing, pass it on your body line or outside. Some, some people like both. And I've always been a body line. If I can get my feet there and square up, cut off the angle in front, it's always better for me. Mm. And then I go to Florida and Nick was, I was, spending too much time trying to square up and get my feet there so i was late on some passes mm. and it just wasn't working very well he's like dude just pass outside your body line like keep your arms away i was like all right and, and i started doing it. i was like i was just talking about how this isn't the way to pass but then i'm like <laughs> you're right in this situation yeah. it's definitely the way to pass and obviously like balls are going outside your body line all the time but like i was over mm-hmm. forcing that like standard of like i need to get yeah my body square and in front of it yeah and it's uh, just like, dude, let your body teach you. Like, yeah. let the rep teach you what works. Yeah. Yeah, your, your body can do amazing things if you free it up. If yes. you don't overly constrain it. All those ex- instinctual things, like the jump set and all that, mm-hmm. like, someone had to, someone's body had to just do it, right? Like, yeah. I mean, people have been jump setting over the years here and there, whatever. And then coach like, said, don't do that. Exactly. That's why it didn't, that's why it didn't happen <laughs> yeah. though. Even for me. Yeah, me too. I, I remember I was scared because yeah. I did it yeah. a few times yeah. and that was me just having fun, yeah. which is instincts and like something yeah. to listen to. But I was always nervous because I was like, I'm playing with Hayden. Like mm. I'm, I'm basically fucking around and dicking around yeah. and he's not going to have that, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. So I was kind of always nervous to do it, but I always wanted to jump set and I thought it was fun to like juke out the blocker. Yeah. And it took basically the Swedes to be just like, this is us and their coach was the one who pushed it. So they weren't like scared to do it. Right. Now we're all like, you better get on the jump set train. Yeah. Yeah, And, And I think that's for everything. The body usually teaches us at first. And if we're smart enough to listen, then we can apply it through reps and, and all that. Yeah. And that's kind of been the shift in the traditional coaching where it's like there's kind of one way to pass and I'm or one way to serve or one way to block and we're gonna hit that over and over and over and we're gonna repeat it and repeat it and repeat it and we're gonna make it really repeatable to this ecological view of 
of skill is it's this relationship with the environment and we're going to let the body self-organize and be we want it to be as adaptable as possible and it's more about how many tools can i add i'm not i'm not about taking away like if, if there's like the example of the towel i'm taking away a solution that's not working but i'm i'm opening up i want to have you know you could pass off one foot you could there's so many ways you could still accomplish this right and and as often as possible when I'm thinking, can I add a tool? Like what's a new, can I have them try it in a way? And even if they never use it, like maybe I'm opening up a potential even more like athleticism, you know, trying to push more tools versus I'm trying to take away uh, tools. So yeah, I think it's a, it's a way more fun way and For creative sure. way to yeah. approach our sport. And, and one thing, sorry, you can go ahead, Dre. Well, I was just saying, and the athlete is going to be more engaged and interested yeah. And therefore, like, more yeah. focused, right? Yeah. When you collaborate with them oh, versus yeah. tell them what to do. And maybe their brain, like, our brains all work differently. My brain works very differently than Travis's. Yeah. So to, like, coach us the exact same way, yeah, it's you're not going to get our interest as much. Yeah. And therefore, our focus and our energy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it plays that same idea. Like, seeing each body as a robot. Here's the right technique, but also each person as a robot. Like, oh, I'm going to give them the same, this person gets the same feedback as that person. Yeah. No way. Like this, like my team, I got 10 different, not 10, seven different languages, Jeez. Uh, you know, different Jeez. life experiences. <laughs> so I've got to understand the dynamics and the relationships are different and the, the communication styles. And, yeah. you know, I think, it, and that's where you ask for feedback. Like, was that helpful? And that's where it's a collaboration. And um, and that's why it's so fun. It's like, oh, it's always different. It's mm -hmm. never, it's never the same uh, coaching experiences. So, yeah. and I want to get to LMU in a second, but I wanted to point something out that Tri said where he was jump setting for fun just because he was playing. Yeah. And then that gets on to a topic I was listening for, of deliberate play versus practice, mm. where I think that just playing, there's so much power to that, especially at the youth level, where I think our youth sports culture where you got because my dad he's funny he's like i would have never put you guys in t-ball if i could do it again mm. instead just say here get a group of kids and just go play yeah, baseball yeah. but i think there's something to be said about this sort of outrigger generation mm -hmm. oh. where you taylor trevor micah micah kavika eric all at the highest levels of the sport and you grew up your parents just dropped you off and you played and you figured out the game and then now, I don't think it's any mistake. Like, it's an accident or a coincidence. I never had a coach That you're the all the best players of this generation. <laughs> yeah, maybe. And what I'm wondering is, where do you balance? Because you coach, how many girls do you have at LMU? Like 18. 16, 20? Okay, 18. Yeah. Where, how much sort of deliberate play can you throw in versus just having practice? Because with them, I know that Tri loves competition. So I try to start every practice with some sort of competition that's fun and playful, but we're also getting a mission accomplished. And how do you do that with 18 girls at LMU on maybe two or three courts? Yeah. Four courts. We got a new facility. Okay. About. Nice. But I highlight to the experience that was has been created at, at the Outrigger as, I mean, the talent hotbed, obviously, but a lot of talent hotbeds become because of the environment yeah you're talking about putting kids on a smaller court scaling it lower net and less people on the court and all of that leads to it looking more like volleyball mm -hmm. where i have a our recent episode right. had a little rant on i went to my daughter's first indoor tournament she's playing on essentially the same size court as jordan larson 
It's so boring and, for a kid, yeah, I would think. And there's six kids and they're specialized by position and there's, there's no exercise and they're standing around. Like, why would we not scale it so it could look more like volleyball? If, right. if she is four foot eight and she's a taller <laughs> 10 year old, why is she playing the same as like a six foot three? <laughs> volleyball is so boring. You're idiotic. Like when you played it in elementary and you're just learning, like it was like just trying to get it over the net once or twice. And it's like, just standing here. This sucks. Terrible. Like, I never liked playing so it. So there's, in that there's a setting. game called, oh, well, I think you, what you guys did either doing that, scaling it, but uh, there's a game called Smash Ball, which I think should be what everyone does as a, as a kid. And it would make volleyball way more popular for kids. Where there's a, uh, th there's no, well, basically it's a low net. It's like a tennis net and it's like two on two or three on three. As soon as you get the ball, uh, the first version is you toss to your part partner, they toss you a ball and you smash it and it bounces and the other side tries to catch it. And then they toss it to their partner and they toss it to you and you smash it. And if you kill it, there's no like waiting to serve. You just grab the ball on your side and you toss it and you, you smash it and you smash it. And then there's iterations. You can go to like, you toss it and they set it and you smash it, but you're jumping, you're yeah. running, you're trying to read where the ball is going. So like you're learning some volleyball principles. Obviously there's catching, which isn't the same, but you're taking away the worst part of volleyball, like the pain of the, right. the arms <laughs> yeah, totally. and all the standing around serving misses, aces, and you're bringing in the elements of jumping, spiking, yep. you know, trying to read a spike and all of a sudden volleyball is fun and it's, and it's exercise and yeah. it's, but yeah, we, we don't do that. We, we want to make it the same game as adults for some reason. And yeah, it's so awful. weird. But anyways, going to your original question of, mm -hmm. of LMU and, and trying to bring that idea, like the spirit of deliberate play instead of uh, deliberate training. Cause all our girls, I don't, not too many of them have, they don't play and they didn't grow up playing. They grew up training. They that's, grew up. That's crazy. Yeah. They grew up in structured practice and, and playing in the same environment. Like the court has, and same on the beach for my daughter, she's 10 and she plays on the same size court as Alex Kleinman. And <laughs> we expect it to be That's so funny. Yeah. Uh, which is insane. We don't make it like the baby court. And I don't know why we don't make it like that. We have great evidence of why that would work and it wouldn't be that hard to do. Uh, but so we try to bring so, some of those elements to LMU. Um, every week, especially in the preseason, we adjusted um, each court. So we have four courts. So one was a super low net. Uh, one court we have a high net like a men's one court we've actually we've all sorts of iterations we've done slanted oh the old diagonal ah. <laughs> so one side's low one's high uh, we move the lines all sorts of ways parallelogram uh, we've you do the, the bed sheet on the net hourglass I actually like that game we haven't done that um, <laughs> but I like that idea too uh, and then we'll play games and every game you'll change you know and the games will have different iterations with it but uh, you know, if you win, you move up, move up, move, lose, you go down. And I was just playing on a low net where serves were being bombed at me and I had to read the serve coming at me really fast. As a blocker, I have to all of a sudden see hard hit and make dynamic moves. As a defender, I'm reading faster shots. So I'm playing this accelerated game and making different decisions and I have different attack options and I, like, oh, I didn't realize I could hit from there. And then I won, so I got to move up and now I'm playing on the high net. And now there's all this pulling and I've got to be really strategic and, and controlled with my shots. Uh, and then I won that game and now I'm on a slanted net. Okay, I've got to figure out how to run a back set or I've got to figure out how to serve that person and keep them on the high side. Um, now, the you know, so every game uh, without a coach telling me what to do, how to do it, 
I'm getting to be playful. I'm getting to uh, adapt. I'm getting to figure out how to win mm-hmm. in different situations. And it's all implicit. It's not like I, I'm learning, but I don't even realize it. Mm-hmm. And I'm learning how to be adaptable when I go play in the wind or when the net is a little high at this different place. I don't, I'm not fragile. Like, cool. Let's figure yeah. this out. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be better. And they're and the confidence in themselves to figure it out, right? Not, yeah. oh, my coach taught me it and then I was better. Yeah. Now in the game, uh-oh, yeah. my coach isn't here to yeah. do it for me, you know? Yeah. That's what the old style of coaching, I felt a lot where I was the source of information. I was a source of knowledge something stressful would happen. It was right away kind of what, what do we do? Um, how do we fix this? And, you know, I'm like, oh yeah, if you just, you know, you do that, we'll be good. And, <laughs> you know, and of course that didn't work and they shank it. <laughs> uh, and now what's really cool if you watch our teams and I think if you compare it to other programs, when we switch sides, uh, our players are talking to each other and don't even rarely talk to the coaches. And you'll see other programs um, and it works for them. I think there's lots of ways to peel an orange. So this works for them, but the coach will hold their hand and they'll walk and they'll really, you know, make sure everything's okay. Yeah. And, you know, we got you, you know, and here, you know, if you just do look at this, you know, do that, then everything will. Uh, so it just feels like we're like, I like the word anti-fragile. We're resilient. We're independent. Like, and, and these are skills I want my players to have in life, you know, that are, I think volleyball skills, but, but life skills. Um, and to do it in like that spirit of play, like just like as a kid, when we'd play games and we'd go out in the yard, like you just, oh, we got this, uh, this ball and that's going to be out of bounds and that's it, you know, and yeah. trying to create that environment in practice, bring that spirit with, with, you know, there's more structure. Like we, we set it up, but, uh, do you break it down in between and kind of like bring awareness to the things that they're learning? Yeah. Yeah. Kind we'll, of thing. We'll post each game. There's the debrief. They're, when they're competing, we try to really stay out of it. You know, maybe a question here or there. Um, is there something new you could try? Really trying to promote explore, exploration. What you, know, you look frustrated, we want to try something different. Right. Uh, but after, there's a lot of, what you guys learn? Debrief, sharing. Yeah, yeah. Because then they're learning from each other too, yeah. I, I got to imagine. You have like, yeah. whatever, 10, 15 girls all debriefing and sharing what they learned during that. And then right. they get to pick and choose what they steal from each other. And yeah. And all that. Yeah, That's and for us, cool. it's more the small court. So it'll be like four, you know, and each coach will on their own court. But yeah, one person maybe had a lot of success on the slanted net. Like she was at, like, you know, just why Why was she successful? And it was open. I learned it's easier to hit on the lower side. Yeah, and you'd be surprised. <laughs> people don't, they just continue to hit on the high net. And and uh, and that's where those debriefs can be interesting. Right. Like, I'm curious, like why, you know, yeah. you weren't having success. Why? <laughs> that was really uncomfortable for me to go back. Right, right, well, right. That might be a new good skill to, to start. Yeah. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, sometimes the wind makes it really hard and or, you know, to hit on that side, you know, today there's no wind, but the net's high over there. So you probably want to stay away from right. that part of the court. Yeah. Um, and we probably, you know, stuff will come, you know, why'd you, you know, you'll, you'll hit a ball to the person on the low side or the non-wind side. Uh, right. You know, so, so those sorts of like, dis- it's decision-making training. It's in which I think those are the skills that really are the intangibles. Mm. Uh, as well as you're learning some movement and you're learning new, some technique without realizing it. So right. You get that combination of skills. Yeah. I love when that. did you start to find kind of your coaching voice, so to speak? Because I, I liken it to writing, where when I started writing, I loved Mitch Albom's writing. 
Hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do the best imitations of Mitch album. And they were really bad imitations. And then yeah. I was like, Wright Thompson, love his writing style. I'm going to do some really bad Wright Thompson imitations. But I also carried some of the principles over from Mitch album. And then Gary Smith and SL Price and all these things. And then eventually you sort of form your own writing style based on all the ones that you like hmm. versus coaching. It seems like now you've kind of settled in to you are your own independent coaching voice obviously still taking stuff that you're learning but i feel like at first like when i looked at it i was like well john was my favorite coaching style i remember anytime i was in one of your practices with billy and stafford i loved it and i was like, i'm going to take as much from john as i can <laughs> but you seem to found kind of your own distinct voice at this point i'm curious what that process looked like for you yeah that's a deep question i, I was listening to pete carroll someone sent me a like a two-minute clip from his his um, final interview with the Seahawks, and that was one of his big messages: like you got to be authentic as a coach. Like you, I think they they asked what what advice do you have, and just the importance of being yourself and and, and self awareness and knowing yourself. And I remember uh, my Pepperdine coach Marv Dunphy, who I think would be on the the Rushmore Mount Rushmore mm -hmm, of coaches. Sure. Um, he did his his doctoral thesis, you know, which again shows like he got his PhD in coaching, like shows how serious, like you can, you can take this, but he got his thesis, uh, studying coach wooden. He, he finished it. And he said, uh, for a while he was Marv wooden you know, <laughs> like, and, and, and you get it. Like, yeah, like I, uh, you're, if you're going to be anybody, Marv wooden, wood, uh, right. wooden's the guy, right? right? Like, and you spend years, spend time studying him. Like, of course you're going to say everything he said, but he's like, it, it wasn't authentic. You know, it wasn't me. And I had to be, Marv Dunphy if mm. I was going to be the coach I wanted to be so I'd say I had some of that same stuff like I was John Dunphy or tried to be you know like yeah. a poor like a really crappy version of that or um Tom Black was a big influence um I think I still carry over so all that's like with you but then you start to see when you try to be like them and it doesn't feel right and you're like that's not that that's like, weird yeah like, <laughs> like, yeah uh and then I think as you just experience more and think about it more and go to bed dreaming about coaching more. You, it just, I don't know, I guess it just starts to become a part of you. Um, and then you keep, I think if you're thoughtful and reflective, you keep finding like what felt genuine and what felt, and, and you also spend a lot of time on forming principles. You know, you, I think, and it's important that they're evidence-based. So you start like understanding some psychology, some sports psychology, some motor learning and, and all that. Okay. How do I make that like within my personality? How does that fit? How does that fit? And, but that stuff help, helps guide it, mm -hmm. you know? So it's, you feel like you have some backing behind it, some meat behind what, uh, so I guess a combination of all that. And I would say I'm like, you know, I'm, I don't know. I, I, I didn't play that long ago. I'm still, uh, I'm still <laughs> young as a coach. Uh, the 2018 was my, my last season. Uh, so I'm still trying to find that that voice. I might say I'm, you know, my last name. Maybe I've got three of my letters, and I still have a little Dumphy and a Tom, little black in there. John Mayfi. Yeah, yeah so <laughs> I've got a ways to go to like I feel like really keep coming into who I who I am and who I want to be. But yeah, all those pieces, like all this stuff, I think the the self awareness, uh, the reflection, uh, yeah, all, all that adds up to understanding and, and being who you want to be. It's about that time for the Waya Kea 
Water Break, the very company that has been keeping us hydrated all season long for the past several seasons on the AVP Tour. Yes, we are back hanging out with Waikea, and they're my favorite waters, not just because it sounds kind of fancy with its volcanic water, but it's made of ocean plast. All those water bottles you see, they're made of 100% post-consumer recycled ocean-bound plastic. What that means is that each bottle helps to remove the equivalent of five bottles from ocean-bound beaches, waterways, and cities. So when you're getting hydrated, you're also helping clean up the beach in a pretty sweet way. They also have these refillable aluminum bottles that are awesome. They're great to take on the go and reuse. My mom, every time she's in town, she takes one of those and just reuses it over and over and over again. And it's recyclable. It's recommended to be used 100 times or more, which, I mean, I've used it about 100 times or more. And they have still and sparkling, big sparkling water guy. They're also committed to giving back, which is awesome. It's local to those in Hawaii through the Kakua Initiative, from monthly drive to support the local food bank and nonprofits, to direct support of individuals and organizations. It's in the continental U.S. as well. Via partnerships with its ambassadors such as, you may have heard of him, Clay Thompson and his Thompson Family Foundation. You got Aaron Judge, may have heard of him, and the All Rise Foundation, Miles Garrett, might have heard of him with his water boys. So YK, they're partnering with the big dogs and also they're partnering with Sandcast. So if you want to get some water, the best water, by the way, some Hawaiian volcanic water, and work with a company that helps take the plastic out of the oceans, that gives back, use the promo code SANDCAST, that's all caps, SANDCAST, online at yaka.com, and that'll get you 20% off your order. All right, so that's SANDCAST, all caps, at yaka.com for 20% off. Stay hydrated, my friends. This show is brought to you by Bartender in a Box. Yes, guys, we've been looking for an alcohol sponsor for a long time on this show, and now it's time to drink outside the box with Bartender in the Box, our new sponsor and the official margarita and official Mai Tai of the American Volleyball League and AVL on IO and Sports. And for those on a volleyball player's budget, we got you. Sandcast and Bartender in a Box invites you and 12 of your friends to enjoy just one box of their premium bar quality libations for around 20 bucks. That's right, 12 premium mixed cocktails out of just one tasty package, whether it's pregame or postgame. We got you covered. Celebrating that beach volleyball victory or styling sunset, or maybe you lost in the quarterfinals like you planned to, so you could drink your bartender in a box while everyone else still is playing, burning calories, all that stuff. Bartender in a Box is available in a growing number of flavors, stores, and markets where you shop. But if it's not on display, just ask for it as it sells out quick. The libation experience and price are worth it. So shake your box today. Have a margarita. Have a Mai Tai. Enjoy the show. We've got some really fun news for y'all, and that is that Sandcast and Volleyball TV, or VBTV, whatever you want to call it, we are now partnered up. So the Road to Paris series that I record after every olympic qualifying event or every other that's now going to start featuring video highlights instead of just the still pictures we're going to have actual video highlights so it's going to be more like an actual volleyball highlight show so instead of just still pictures you're actually going to get to see what's going on on the field of action and in return we're going to start promoting volleyball tv and you get 20 percent off your volleyball tv subscription when you use the code sandcast 20 now this is case sensitive so sandcast is all caps 20 and that's the numeral 20. So it's Sandcast, all caps, 20. And you will get 20% off your VBTV subscription. Now, a lot of you guys who are listening to the show, you're beach volleyball super fans. And I absolutely love that. I love you. I love you for listening. I love you for subscribing to VBTV and watching. 
So if you already have your subscription, when it comes time to renew, you can use that code or you, you could honestly cancel and then renew with your 20% off if you wanted to. So again, SANDCAST20, all caps, at Volleyball TV, that'll get you 20% off. So I'm stoked to be partnering with VBTV. It's just been such a sweet thing to have for the sport, to have like all the volleyball you could watch in one spot, or at least all the international volleyball you could watch in one spot. That's indoor, it's Italian league, it's even the Big Ten indoor. You get all of that 20% off with our code. So go and watch your beach volleyball today at Volleyball TV. I, th- I think it speaks to how uh, far you've come as a coach in a relatively brief amount of time because I look at you, I'm like, I mean, John's been coaching forever. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was coaching all along. I, in college, I coached club. Every year I played, I coached at Santa Monica College. But it was, you know, it was, I, I loved it, but it was like plan B or it was right. thought B. Like folk, the focus was on I wanted to be the best player I could be. I wanted to be get the most and I wanted to make a career of beach volleyball so that's where my attention went and coaching was fun and I liked it and I I knew it was uh I was building a resume but but I did I wasn't fully like that's who I am right yeah so yeah you mentioned Marv who were some of the other bigger influences uh well I played at Pierce College there's a legend there named Ken Stanley call him Big Daddy he played uh actually played basketball at USC um so he's a big one um i mean a lot of people through the podcast uh jason jason watson we just had on from arkansas really influenced by him casey Kreider at umbc been a big influence and now casey a lot of Kreider. he played at my age? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah he was setter at pepperdine dude yeah. that's my boy yeah <laughs> we played on the youth national team yeah, together yeah, yeah, yeah. casey's the man he's, he's doing good he's really like dove into the motor learning side he's actually starting to pursue his phd oh i gotta reconnect with that guy he's at umbc uh which is a tiny school in in baltimore and they made the tournament the last two years whoa yeah they were the first in basketball they were the first 16 to beat a one when umbc beat virginia so if anybody was wondering why have i heard umbc before that's (laughs) that's why they're putting them on the map oh that's funny but now more i've had more influences uh I mean, well, I guess from sports psychology, a guy named Bernie Holiday has been a, he's worked with our team, he's really influenced, but the, a lot of the motor learning people, he's got Andy Bass, who's got a PhD in motor learning, Rob Gray, who's uh, got a great podcast and I've uh, gotten to know a little bit. So I, I feel like, and that's where coaching, I mean, a college coach, it's like you got recruiting, you got to understand business, you got to understand analytics, you got to understand psychology, you got to understand skill acquisition, you got to understand marketing. So that's where if your one mentor is just a coach, then you're a specialist. Like I think as a college coach and, and any coach, you got to be a generalist. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think I've become a better coach as I've the mentors I've gotten are now in a broader range of, of areas. And they're still, I mean, I got 30 years ahead to probably barely touch the surface of all those areas. Is that Can that be frustrating as a college coach in that, I mean, it's probably a small percentage of your time is spent actually coaching mm. volleyball. Because like you said, it's recruiting. It's dealing with a lot of the overhead of just, you know, with the AD and the school president and principal and all that. I know that would that frustrated Marcio and Delaney at Pepperdine just how much time was spent not coaching. Mm. Yeah. 
I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I, 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 there's stuff that's harder, but I think when you're obsessed with uh, creating the best program you can, then even if it's a little mundane or like not your favorite thing, it's like, I want to do it because yeah. it's going to help my program. And I care so much about my program. Uh, yeah. So I think when you have that, that drive and that care for elevating and being the best you can be, like all, if it's all a part of it, then I want to do it at a high level and I'm going to figure out how to. And so it's just, I think that part of it makes, it's fun because it's, it is dynamic and there's new things to figure out and there's new things like, oh, that's a big weakness of mine. At some point I got to like figure that, <laughs> that part out. Like it's, you know, uh, so I, I like that aspect of it. Um, and I even, I mean, I know there's a lot of frustration about, you know, all the changes in college sports, transfer portal, NIL, uh, that sort of stuff. And some of it is, you know, it's frustrating. Once things change, when there's transition, it's frustrating. But I like even that, like, okay, how am I going to adapt now? Like, how do we figure that? How do we make the best of this? How do we figure out how to use it? Uh, so, yeah, I think it, it's just your, I think it's the way you frame it. Like, is it a, is it a challenge? Is it a threat? And, I love that. Yeah. Cause that's, it's funny. Cause we had that almost exact same conversation with Gervais yesterday. Mm. Cause he asked oh, about, the best of that. Yeah. He, he, I mean, he's an incredible conversationalist, yeah. but he asked, uh, what our definition of mastery is. And I said, if I can wake up and I'm really, really excited about what I'm doing, yeah. then I think that would be my definition. He's like, what about the mundane parts? And I was like, <laughs> but if I'm really excited about it, there are no mundane yeah. parts, even like practice planning for trying came, I get really excited about that because it's like, all right, here are the problems we're trying to solve. What are the creative ways I can help get them to solve it? Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. And so there are really no mundane parts when you're really excited about what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I bet same writing the book, right? I mean, there's yeah. stuff that's more difficult and there's stuff that's more tedious, but it's like, no, we're making progress. Like yeah. we're, we're working on a, like there's a mission. I think that's, that's, I like that answer. I'd wake up the same way. It's like if I can wake up and there's a mission, yeah, and exactly. And I have a mission in life, then like, let's go. Like, I'm going to do, th do the work that's in front of me. Like, whatever the work is, whatever the most relevant work that's there, then let's do it. Let's get to work and let's get on the mission. And that's when life's fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you've got a, a couple Irons of Fire. You got the podcast, Coach Your Brains Out, which you guys have been doing for, oh, it's got to be close to a decade. Yeah. I think we, we're coming up in May, it would be not year nine. Wow. We're finishing wow. our ninth year, so starting our tenth, yeah. And so, and you guys have a couple, not spinoff series, but yeah, yeah. spinoff series. Yeah, we were saying just how it's, and you guys find too, like it's hard to uh, continue to get guests. You know, initially you start the podcast, you're like, there's so many people you want to talk to, you've never talked to, and at this point, it's like we've we've talked to a lot of the people we're curious about in the coaching world. So you know, it's nice to have people back, but be kind of cool if we have little like series, mm -hmm. you know, where we don't have to just keep going to get guests, but so we have a motor learning series where I have the same three people and me that I, we talk about different motor learning topics. So we just have that going. Now we're starting a sports psychology series. Same thing. Billy's doing that with Bernie holiday uh, and two other, um, Zach Sorensen, two other like high level sports psychologists. And then we have this third one we started, which is a little, uh, actually I'm pretty fired up about, uh, it's called reason your brains out where we put out a coaching claim. So for example, a controversial one would be, um, fundamentals are a myth. So bold claim fundamentals <laughs> yeah. are a myth. And then you get two coaches on who come from opposing viewpoints. Uh, and you, you, 
you give them seven spots they can stand on. I strongly agree. I agree. I slightly disagree or slightly agree. Neutral, slightly disagree. It goes down the line and you say, okay, where do you stand? Huh. And one of them's on agree and one of them's on slightly or disagree. And then you just start the conversation. Why? Uh, oh, did anything you hear uh, she say make you change your mind? And you get this back and forth. And I, I think you just get people to critically think, consider ideas instead of just get stuck and rooted in your silo in your own way. Right. And even as a listener, you get to like, oh, where would I be? Oh, this is getting me. Like, I hadn't thought about that before. Mm-hmm. So I'm fired up on that. And, th- and that way we can even like bring back guests we really liked and have these kind of critical conversations, bring up these claims that are, I might have what female coaches are more effective for female athletes. Right. Um, pepper is a waste of time. You know, I really <laughs> all the, like I have, uh, I have 50 of them. Written down. I was actually thinking yeah. it'd be kind of fun to do with the two right. of you, the two of you. I was thinking, oh, we should get like people who are uh, mm-hmm. um, have so, opposite brains. Not, not <laughs> Perfect. Even, you guys, I wasn't even thinking opposite brains. Like you guys, just you guys are like people who like work well together. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, so we have kind of this. Whole, we've only done a couple so far. Where they were kind of experiments. Um, but yeah, I kind of got all this like long list of people we want to do and all these claims. And so, so now I think we'll do more of that. We'll still have guests and mix that in but having these series i think makes sense kind of where we are with the podcast yeah, yeah. and then of course you have lmu yeah. um, which i wanted to make sure we get to so you took over lmu in 2018 yeah ish 2015 2015 okay yeah, yeah. 2015 was the 20 yeah 2018 was your final year as a player yeah and you took over lmu 2015 yeah okay which was one of the first beach program what top first Five to ten LMU programs? started the first year there was a program. So, so it started in 2012. There's only like five programs, right? Yeah, I think that first year it was like 12 to 15 or something like that. That's pretty wild to be I, one I of those. I volunteered the first three years with Tom. Uh, so those, yeah, 2013, 14, tw- something like that. You've been there the entire time. Yeah, the whole time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, when I volunteered, I'd come like once a week. But Yeah, yeah well, yeah, you know. we'll call we'll claim it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's back when me and Hayden were still at uh, Playa. Yeah, yeah, we've seen you there. guys down there. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I remember uh, we'd turn around and say, "Hey, watch what they're doing." <laughs> we would have all these indoor girls out there, just so lost and. Uh, and watch, yeah. watch what the yeah. John Hyden's doing. And the other guys kind of—I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't, watch the, don't watch the left side as much. Yeah, you, can, you can watch them a little, but just kind of all over the place. Watch the right, watch the right side. Uh, yeah, but so yeah, it's been. Uh, been cool to be with it and and with the sport since the beginning yeah and that program has come i know you're super humble but it's come quite a long way i mean when you were became head coach i mean you guys were what like two and something or other maybe yeah that first year i think we won two or three matches yeah and and now you guys you're what the three or four time consecutive wcc champs took pepperdine's mantle and then i mean you're always always contending for a national championship now yeah, no, it's been a been a good run, uh, and it's been fun to do it from like ground zero. Mm-hmm. You know, almost like you know building a house where you see it just rubble. And yeah, you see, and we had zero. Like, I think the first year was like the budget was like four thousand dollars, and I remember the the first year back like when I was the volunteer. You know, telling the girl on game day because it was a girl who hadn't been able to practice a lot. Like, okay, you can't 
over you can't like set a first ball like or, or when they serve you like don't don't set it <laughs> legally you can <laughs> but like don't do it <laughs> <laughs> and, and don't hand set anything well now you can direct deposit and <laughs> set it over yeah. apparently yeah yeah uh so yeah so basically it was there you know it's no staff i mean i shared an office with like five people um no scholarship money you know, we'd play, we just, cause we had no budget. We just play USC 15 times. Like we just, <laughs> and now to see where we've, we've come, you know, um, I have a full staff, two full-time staff members, uh, Benny, who's been amazing, Angela Benson mm -hmm. and, uh, Angela White now, Cesar, uh, Benazzi, who was head coach at Bakersfield. I have three student managers who've been, Oh, I didn't know you got Cesar to come yeah. over. Oh, yeah. nice. He's yeah. a great coach. He's the man. Really good. Yeah. yeah. He's been a great addition. So yeah, full staff, three student managers, uh, six scholarships, built a facility. It's uh, just last March, so a four-court facility on campus. Uh, now, you know, we travel to Hawaii, we'll travel to Florida State, we'll travel all around the country. And uh, we have a team that can win a national championship. Yeah, we won four WCCs in a row and finished in the top five the last three years. So, yeah, and it's also cool, you know, you look around – it's uh, football schools, you know, it's Florida State, it's USC, it's LSU and little LMU, you know, LMU has <laughs> yeah. never won a national championship in any sport. No kidding. No, yeah, which is unbelievable. Uh, and it's kind of exciting to feel like we could be the first ones to do it. And, right. And we could do something that's never been done before. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, it'd be a big deal to our AD, to our athletic department, to the history, the legacy of LMU, hopefully open up some doors for what, what the university can do. Um, so yeah, and, and it's been fun to get the support from, from my AD and, and do it the way we're doing it. Yeah. You know what cool. else was, has kind of come to mind when you're net mentioning all these schools, I'm like thinking of who the head coaches are and like at one time, most of the head coach, the good head coaches around the country right now, were just like scrapping each other on tour, mm. grinding it out. Yeah. Didn't know that beach volleyball would exist. Yeah. Didn't know how long their careers were. You guys were just out there, yeah. you know, grinding it out and, and playing against each other, competing, whatever, hanging out together, probably sleeping on the floor, <laughs> you know, doing yeah. that normal volleyball grind. And now you guys are all like competing against each other, but yeah. like with these prestigious programs and meeting each other on the road is like, yeah. it's kind of funny. Like, I'm just like picturing you going to Florida State and be like, hey, Nick, yeah, what's up? You got no, your program, is. I got mine. This is kind of <laughs> yeah. cool. Never thought we, this would happen. It's really fun. Yeah, yeah. Todd and Stein and Dane and... Exactly. And, yeah, Brooke. I mean, Angie Akers. There's yeah. so, so many... Je I mean, Jeff Alzina even. Yep. Uh, Santa yeah. Clara's not bad. He's doing a great job. Yeah. He'll build that program. Uh, so yeah, it's fun to for all of us to still be involved in the sport the way we yeah. get to be. And just to have that... Yeah, that connection that... Uh, the, and I think we're all building this sport and, mm -hmm. the, and got, uh, bringing it to where it is. And, and we, I think we all feel like there's so much more. Right. And I think it's the, there's a lot of great people, the right people doing it. Yeah. yeah. And evidence awesome. would suggest that you are building it unquestionably because you look at this generation of American women it's like, well, she played at LMU. She was at UCLA. She was at USC. She was at USC. And we have a world championship, number two team in the world. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. like our, I don't envy any of the women on the kind of the veteran women on the AVP because yeah. you're just coming up and you have to play these 22 year olds who have been coached by you and Stein and Angie and Nick and Brooke and Jose. And they're all just hand setting, running these creative offenses. And, you know, the older players, like the, you know, the Gina Urangos, 
they didn't really, she was like, I think the, had one year of beach maybe. Yeah, yeah she's yeah, the very yeah, beginning, yeah. but she didn't get those resources. Mm -hmm. And then college beach and pro beach is so funny because it's the opposite of every other sport where in college you have all the resources, you go pro mm. and then you don't have any, yeah. you got to pay for it yourself. Yeah. And so all the pros who didn't have that, they have to pay for all these resources, but in college you just have so much and the sport and the American women are so much better for it. It's yeah. been super fun for me to see yeah. having no stake in yeah. the game. No, it's been so good. Uh, it's just unfortunate for the men. I wish we had something comparable. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, uh, I'm not the first to say it, but easy, low-hanging fruit is just looking at setting. I mean, yes. if you looked at the top women's pro team, uh, Misty and Carrie is a great example, right? Their bump setting, April Ross, you know, bump set her whole career. If you look at a fives court at a mid-level school, you'd see hand setting from 15 feet off the net and it mm -hmm. would be perfect. If you go to a juniors tournament, I mean, they're throwing their hands on every ball and it's just it's just amazing. I mean, to think that all those years, how, how was, you know, April wasn't hand setting. <laughs> right. Just amazing that, you know, the just having these opportunities, maybe some coaches to push them. It's led to lots of development and it's exciting to see. And, and I think the world's starting to see it too. More interest in European countries. We've got an Australian, um, some more and more like coming to use the system. Just like all, all the other Olympic sports are filled with international, you know, yeah. in, you know, in the NCAA. So, yeah, it's been great to see. Yeah. And I think that that comes back to sort of because I think Karch and Nina Matthews were so anti handset mm. where because they always said why would i give up risk giving up a point yeah if i could just bump set yeah but I, i've sort of done very crude and exact math in my head where i think if you double one maybe even two balls per set percentages mm. it's worth it yeah because you're just you're putting your your partner in a much more precise location nine times out of ten with a handset than a bump set yeah so you're going to give up points you just didn't realize it it's not as obvious as a double call yeah yeah it's like saying well you're going to miss more serves if you jump when you hit it it's like <laughs> right yeah but there's a reward but. <laughs> like, like, yeah they're gonna we're gonna get more knockouts and score more points and mm -hmm. when a handset i'm more accurate and my hitter can kill more balls and it's more predictable and we can run, run a more dynamic offense so, right yeah with uh with some risk there's a reward and if if you give people chances to explore it experiment they can develop the skill mm -hmm. but when you say no that's you know you made a mistake no put that away we don't do that that's you know we're gonna give up points then it's hard to develop the skill but yeah if you give them that chance and it's amazing how rare it does happen because they get so many chances to practice it and right you can develop that yeah how's, except for when they change time? the rules yeah 10 30 and 30 okay well, we got, we'll get you on the road okay. on time. Just wanted to make sure we hit on, uh, but who should we be looking at um, LMU this year? You mentioned you got, you've learned seven different languages. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fluently. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Man, married to a Puerto Rican, I could barely speak Spanish. <laughs> um, on our team, we'll have returning, returning eight starters. Uh, wow. Valma Pretty was all American last year. Um, so I think she's, be top of our lineup. We have a girl named Michelle Schaefer. Okay. Who's uh, indoor. She's been playing indoor and she played uh, at Santa Clara and transferred over and she's a stud athlete. Um, a little bit reminds me like a Megan Rice who we had. Okay. Really good jumper, really quick, really good arm. The world finally learned how good Megan was last year. Yeah, yeah I was excited. <laughs> that was fun for us yeah. to see her, her breakthrough. Um, 
Uh, yeah, I think we're deep. Uh, Isabel Rafael, who her uh, her boyfriend is um, Jonathan for Sweden. Um, huh. Isabel is also um, long and jumps well and jumps it. Uh, work on it. <laughs> uh, uh, but a good all around player. And her partner, girl named Abby Thorup from Canada, uh, who was one of our best players the last couple of years. Um, I mean, I can go down the list, but yeah, I think we're we're really deep. Uh, one through six, probably the deepest we have where uh, it was usually pretty clear the, the delineation between five and six. And I think there's a battle we'll have for four, five and six, which mm-hmm. it's fun to have that sort of competition going. Yeah. What uh, what do you think of the first fully single elimination tournament last year? Because, shoo, I was looking at because you guys played Hawaii. First round, if yeah, I remember right. First round, yeah. I was like, holy cow, that's a tense first round match. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah it wasn't the, the draw we wanted, but we played pretty well. Uh, I, It's fine. I, I liked the double. It's kind of the spirit of our sport, mm-hmm. you know, is, and I like, we just have a small window of getting media attention and the window got shrunk. You know, I think we finished fifth last year and played two matches. We finished fifth the year before and I think we played like six matches or five matches. So in all those matches were on ESPN. Mm-hmm. So you just, just taking away those opportunities is a bummer. I would say if we were at a 32 team tournament, a 48 team tournament, then I start to get it. Yeah. But for 16. Especially Wednesday through Sunday. Yeah. Right. Cause you, go, you run it what Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. There's plenty of time for yeah. a 16 team. Yeah. Double limb. Yeah. I think, like you said, I think, because I know that Dane, he's a big advocate for the single limb. Mm. And his argument is, well, the NCAA basketball tournament, but yeah. it's also 64 teams right. over a month, mm-hmm. pretty much. Mm-hmm. And But I think 16, you have the time. And I don't think double limb is very difficult to yeah. follow. Yeah. And I also think that the advantage for beach volleyball is that it's the one time College Beach is on national TV mm-hmm. and you're going to play a double limb. Most teams you're going to regress to the mean and have two of your best teams in the finals versus mm-hmm. single limb, you might end up with a six versus four. Mm-hmm. And then if you get a couple of casual viewers, you're like, is this the national championship? It's like, <laughs> yeah. ah, that's a bummer that we didn't have like yeah. a USC versus LMU or UCLA. And it's tough. I, I don't like stuff where it's the actual best team, like often isn't the national champion, mm-hmm. you right. know, like it's just the hottest team, the culmination of an entire season. Who is the best throughout the season? That's who I want to be the national champion. Yeah. But when you create these systems where like, there's a good chance that they might not be, mm. it's like surfing where they change the entire season. The world champion comes down to the last event mm. versus the girl who just smashed everyone all season. Mm. Sensitive subject. Cause my Hawaii He's especially touchy cause Chris is Hawaiian. Yes. <laughs> yes. But yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't like, seeing that as a fan yeah but i get the magic of march madness and we have this cinderella yeah. stories it's fun to sell i suppose i think it's also financial it's cheaper single limb right can, that's yeah, true yeah. yeah yeah so i don't know i mean hopefully hopefully it grows into 32 and you know that's then we all get more matches and but uh, yeah for now with 16 it's a bummer so but yeah it is what it, you know is what it is we, we'll be excited to be there and we want to win four so yeah yeah well, uh, it'd be great to see LMU bring home its first natty yeah, yeah. across the board. Yeah, long um, But you yeah. guys start your season in Hawaii. Yeah. And that is an epic collection of teams yeah. for season opener. It's what? It's you guys, USC, UCLA, Hawaii, 
Am I missing anyone? And little Andrew Fuller at Stanford. Yeah. Stanford, yeah. yeah. And, Billy and little Billy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Stanford is stacked. It's a good team. Um, and we've never lost to them, so can't do it this year. Uh, <laughs> Rivalry. Uh, no, Call yeah, out. it's going to be, yeah. And, and just the, I, mean, I don't know, I guess you obviously tried no better, but uh, how how the weather will be that, that point in time of year. But it's a little bit of a shock from going from here to there. It's a three-day tournament, so we'll be playing lots of matches. Also, you know, always the first tournament of the year when you're not quite in match shape, like mm-hmm. the and the stress and anxiety, and so it'll be interesting. All that sort of stuff, you know. Um, but yeah, it's a fun way to start. Last year we started a little bit light. We actually started sixteen and zero, which is, was great. But uh, I don't know if we got enough feedback. Where this year we might we could start the year zero and six. I wouldn't be surprised. You know, we lose to all those great teams, but we'll get so much good feedback, mm-hmm. so much good data learn so much about our teams they'll go through some ups and downs together and i think it'll lead to just a like more better teams uh, going so I, I i like it at least as of now i like it yeah <laughs> uh, we'll see <laughs> yeah we haven't we've never started like this so we'll see that's always been tom Izzo's strategy at michigan state where he just front loads early. and makes it a brutal schedule and then you lighten it make your kind of switches that you need to make and then yeah. just backloads it again yeah michigan state's always good <laughs> yeah something to it i mean i think in general i just want to play good teams that's how you get better you play yeah. good players that they teach you stuff and you learn stuff so we err towards playing teams that are going to push us and we try to be really diligent about learning you know it's just we win we lose that's we want to win it's good but but just what what's the info do we take what do what's the next steps mm-hmm. uh, what do we learn from that experience how do, how does it what did it show us i think all that that's you know that's what it's about so yeah i think going through that cycle going through those experiences coming back the next you know after the weekend tournament coming to film uh getting some data going like into training on a mission i mean that's the fun stuff with team building and and the season uh, that's why the season's so fun mm-hmm well, I know that you're not on social, um, but where can our listeners find what you and the Coach Your Brains Out crew are up to? And then, uh, just as important, where can we keep up with LMU Beach Volleyball? Uh, yeah, let's see. Um, John.Mayor at LMU.edu. Just email me. Uh, <laughs> uh, Coach Your Brains Out. I think we have some stuff, but I, I don't know. Um LMU, I don't Google know, it. Google it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'd be the worst at any sort of promotion. Um, <laughs> but before we close, I was thinking uh, thinking about your, uh, Travis, and I think both of you guys, what you guys are doing here has been so great for the sport. Um, and again, honored to be a part of it. But even just the, um, not even just, all the, the like your ability to, like the stories you write, the the way you've brought our sport to life is so needed and it's so awesome the way you've done it. Um, I think of um, just for so long, our, our sport hasn't been covered the right way. And to have, I mean, I love the way you just, yeah, I love reading your uh, insights and, and the way you, um, I think, just humanize and make our sport more interesting. So... Thank I you. Guess that's my promotion would be read your volleyball magazine articles <laughs> and listen listen to the podcast. I think uh it's been fun to see your journey and just the impact you've made. I would say, I mean, tries played in the Olympics and I, I won a couple AVPs, but I think the impact you've made on your sport, on our sport, 
through the stories you tell, through um, the, obviously the books you guys have written, but all those articles, I think the impact is is bigger than anything players have done. And you've done a lot with your playing career too. So that's my promo is thanks. For <laughs> yeah. I well appreciate said, well it. Said. It's uh, super kind. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. Like I said, yeah. there's not, nothing mundane when I wake up excited every day. And that's what excites me. So I'm glad, yeah. <laughs> glad it's had an impact. Yeah, we'll keep it going. <laughs> we yeah. will. Yeah, yeah. Now we're going to add some coaching to it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, new, <laughs> new, new, new mission. Yeah, yeah, yeah so, I'm excited. What, I guess before we close to, I got, I got to ask a question. Uh, what, um, what excites you guys about the dynamic of your guys' new team? I think uh, I was telling Delaney about this, that like me and Try, our relationship has been funny because before we were friends, I was interviewing him for a book. And then, so we he was just kind of like, it was like an interviewer, interviewee. And then we were partners on the podcast. And over time, we eventually became friends, but it's just, we've we've always had like a multifaceted, Common role. interests. Yeah, kind of with one another. And now with coaching, I think so much about it at the professional level, because I'm not going to tell Tri really how to form a platform, mm. but I know how to communicate with them. I know kind of what fires him up. And I think we work really well together here. And I don't really know why that wouldn't translate there. Mm. It's just kind of adding another layer yeah. to what's been a really yeah. fun relationship so far. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I think we have a good dynamic in terms of just business friends whatever mm. it's it's just kind of built authentically so mm. to bring that onto the court should be pretty natural yeah. but at the same time i've sat here and spoke about volleyball with him sitting yeah, here yeah, listening yeah. like he's learned he he wrote that that volleyball for milkshakes book without like asking me how to write it and what yeah. it's about because he just knows my story he yeah, knows yeah. me yeah. i speak my my mind on this show mm. so he's learned so much about me in that way and so he has all that knowledge and I can trust yeah. him in that way. Yeah. And then he's put in his time as well now. Mm. You know, beginning is like literally a rookie. Like I'm yeah. teaching him all this stuff about volleyball. Yeah. Yeah. But then he went out there and experienced it himself as a player. He's been at all these practices, he's been interested. Mm -hmm. So I'm seeing all the pieces kind of come together and yeah. I know what I need now. And I'm like, I, I need someone who understands me mm. and I need someone who can listen and is like calm yeah. and has those pieces of their brain that I maybe don't have, you know, yeah. filling my gaps. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's probably what we have best is that's like cool. filling each other's gaps. And I'm, I'm not insecure about my, my shortcomings, mm. but like I do get excited when other people can help me yeah. fill those gaps. And hopefully I can bring the same, like I value, I know I need to bring something to the table for him. Yeah. Hopefully getting him to the, if he's a rookie coach and he goes to the Olympics, like, come on, that'll be a joke. Yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, I've been coaching for three months <laughs> here in Paris. Like, it'd be freaking hilarious. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I does it all. That'd be awesome. But, but like what you said about, um, I really want someone who understands me. Yeah, exactly. And that, and it, it makes sense that he does, and, and under, it makes sense that you would want that. Yeah, and exactly. That would be a good uh, dynamic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that's it. Cool. We'll see though. Yeah. See how it goes. Yeah. It's, uh, hopefully it's a little rocky, right? You want it to be. Oh, it will be. Yeah. You yeah. want to challenge each other and, and have some successes and some lows and, you know, go through some stuff. Yeah. So I'm curious how I'm those, excited for you guys. those yeah. times yeah. will come. And I think that's where, because we've gotten close, like our wives are good friends when Austin's able to yeah. become friends with kids, like him and Naya will be friends. And I think because of that closeness, one, it's, it's always kind of a risk because like you can jeopardize that friendship. Sure. But I think that it's more sibling like where, 
Yeah. I know how to push my brothers and they know how to push me yeah. back and then we'll eat dinner that night and right, it's fine. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, and it's also, if I'm going to fail with someone, let's I'll fail with my boys, yeah, or, you yeah, know? And it yeah. was like when I played with Trev, it was like, it's not all, hey, my my livelihood's on you, bro. Yeah. It's like, nah, let's, let's go roll together. If we win, we'll win right. together. If we lose, right. we'll lose together. Yeah. And I'm good with it at the end yeah, of the day yeah. versus like some people you put an expectation on them. You bring a coach in you better make me win. Like, yeah. you know, deep down you kind of have that, that yeah. energy and it just doesn't work. Not the same connection. Yeah, it's yeah. like, no, well, I'm gonna give my best, you give your best and whatever that is, I'm good with yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, did it with the right people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that means a lot. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I'm excited to follow along. Heck yeah. Yeah. And when, consult uh, you. well, when you guys come out with Coach Your Brains Out 2.0, <laughs> we'll have you back in here yeah. to promote your guys' yeah, book. We'll get yeah. on Billy. That's all you got to do. And we'll yeah. Yeah, finish whatever. <laughs> get him down here way. from Stanford. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Finish his fantasy books. But yeah. Heck definitely. yeah. Let's yeah. get you on the road. Thanks for coming John. on. Uh, good luck this season. We'll be following along uh, to LMU. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Shoots. Shoots.